All right, we're going to get restarted. If uh, you have been involved in, in um, the leadership of a 10 days or doing 10 days in your city in some way, just raise your hand. Go ahead and raise your hand if you've been involved before. 10 days in your city. If you've been involved in leading 10 days in your city, just raise your hand. Grant, Grant, Grant Berry. Um, so what, just, just to kind of share, the, the vision for this time is, this is just going to be a time of sharing stories and sharing what God's done. Um, and we want it to be, we want to be able to hear from maybe um, seven or eight different people at least during this time. If you have something that's really short that you want to share, that's fine. If you want to share a little bit longer, that's fine too. Um, not Probably not more than 10 minutes, but um, there are some real powerful stories, and sometimes it does take a little bit of time to share that. So I just want to, we're going to just open it up. David's going to pass the mic, and we're going to just start with Tim from, uh, from Reading, UK, and just let him have a chance to share. And we can, do you want to share from the front? Do you want to? Share from the front, that's fine. people getting yeah. a crook in their neck, doesn't it? Yeah. yeah. Normally, I, it, when we had 10 days, I mean, I had no idea what I was doing. And um, I was blagging it. So I was asking Holy Spirit, and we would just sit in circles. And, uh, and I'd go, Lord, this is the prayer. This was basically the prayer. We would sit and we'd gather in the build-up to 10 days. We would gather people that were excited about the fact that it was happening. We'd sit in a circle, and I'd go, Lord, it's called the desperate prayer. It's like, if you don't turn up, this is going to be embarrassing. <laughs> and it was like that. And I got no worship leaders. I got, I, I got old biddies there, uh, older people. And by the way, I've learned not to judge older people because they are like fire starters. <laughs> uh, uh, so you're like, they're coming in like this, you know. And then suddenly when the Holy Spirit hits them, I'm like, oh, boy. <laughs> Oh, sorry, Lord. <laughs> and, um, you know, we would be terrible. We, we'd have no worship leader. So, you know, I'm an incompetent singer. Uh, I cannot remember a tune. And like, but then we were like, we're going, well, look, this is the rule. We're all mature Christians here. Uh, we're all going to abide in him. And let's see what Father has to say through us. Now, my background, I'm an applied theater practitioner. So that means I apply the theories of theater to vulnerable groups or any groups to tell a story, to tell a narrative, right? And then I'm like, so all I've got is those skills in my pocket. And that means I want you to tell the story. So fathers start, and I start to realize over, over time that as we're gathering in those circles, that I'm used to directing other people's stories, and the father has just been a director, and he's been the director through me. So I would know who was going to speak. It's so cool. It was like he was conducting an orchestra, and I'd know when someone was supposed to speak, and they weren't speaking up because they were a bit shy. And I'm like, I just look at them, and I'm like, you, you got something, and all they're looking for is an excuse. They're like, oh, uh, I have actually. I'm like, yeah, you have, haven't you? <laughs> And it might be a song. It might be a verse from a song or something like that. And we're like, well, we're going to have to blag it. Let's just sing it. And so it was, it was being rough and ready and imperfect. 
And before we knew it, Brian was with me, went on this journey with me. It was awesome and terrifying. And um, it, we would blag it and it would feel like God's not here. And then suddenly there would be a breakthrough moment. And the father, in a miraculous way, took care of the narrative. And it's like so much better than listening to a sermon, no offense, because you knew the way that this narrative was coming through was only the miraculous. You knew it was Father speaking to us directly. And that, I mean, you're experiencing this, but that was my first experience in the build up to 10 days. Father was teaching me, this is how we do it. You've got nothing. All you've got is me and I'll take care of it. And it was so cool, so cool. Um, that wasn't the story I was going to share. <laughs> um, the story I was going to share is because I just literally had a prompt. I went over to get a coffee at McDonald's, and the earrings of the lady I was speaking to reminded me of a story from 10 days. I shall explain. Um, so again, we're in this big tent. The father said he specifically wanted me to gather like-minded believers around a cross in a field to pray. And that's how he was going to kick off this huge vision he'd given me for an apostolic center, which I still walk with. And I'm like, okay, Lord, where are we going to do that? And I thought it would be in a church. It ended up in the middle of the city in this park. Uh, and I'm like, that is the most embarrassing place to pray in front of everybody else. But he, we got a big top 10, <laughs> and that's where we did it. And uh, so then we're there, and I'm like, but what, what's happening in our nation at the moment is the Father is rising up the fivefold ministry, which I would say has been in bad nick, I'm afraid. Bad nick means it's not in good condition in English. Can you translate for me, Jonathan, now and again? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't know why, where it comes from, that. But Brian, where's bad Nick? We just know, don't we? We just know these things. Uh, terrible English. So um, uh, we had this tent in the park. The fivefold ministry starting to rise. And I know I'm a role in that fivefold, but I am not all of that fivefold. So that meant that I was, knew I was going to put that tent in that green. And we were going to fail in some areas until those people that were in that fivefold were going to turn up. So I'm like, this is, this is terrifying because it's here. If they don't come, I'm a goner. And I guess that's what the Lord says is faith. Uh, and I've learned to trust him now. <laughs> in, in that time, it was exhausting because you're, you're like thinking everyone's looking at me and they're, they're wanting you to fail. Anyway, so there we are. And we have the, one of the gatherings one night. The story I was reminded of was uh, just before we we're about to start, there's a prophet next to me that, thank good, turned up on either side of me. And they said, Tim, you've got to take responsibility. You've got to get up there and start it off. I'm like, I don't know what to say. So I disappear behind the curtain. <laughs> and I go, help, Lord. And he reminds me of a story. And it was when I was living in Sweden, Runa. Uh, I was I was working at a focus school, a people's high school, and I was looking after uh, adults who had been on long-term sick leave. And um, they, some of them hadn't been out of the house in seven years. But I was using theater as a method to uh, bring joy, happiness, 
and interaction between these guys. That's healing. That's just a healing process. But also the father was saying, but, you know, actually some real basic things will help them, which is take them out in nature for a walk because nature has everything you need in it. So I organized eight different walks in the area I was living in, southern Sweden, which is your, your is it where you were born? Were you born in Helsingborg? Oh, yeah, you're a Stockholm. Yeah, so you're posh. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah, Helsingborg, where your church was. And I got to walk number eight, and I basically planned them as best I could, but I got lost, and we ended up on this really dull, boring housing estate. And I've got all these very expectant, mainly elderly uh, ladies following me around and expecting to be out in nature. And here we are in this rubbish housing estate in the cold in Sweden. And it's at that point I'm like, oh, Lord, I'm keeping the conversation going, but this is getting embarrassing again. There's a theme here. And... Um, I'm like, Lord, please, I, I, I'm lost. I need you. They're starting to look at me, wondering why on earth they've bought them walking around this boring housing estate. I need your help, Lord. Can you make this walk more interesting? And literally, when I walked around the corner, there was a guy walking an elephant. <laughs> yes. Yes, <laughs> I need to define that. <laughs> Isn't that great? I mean, God's style is just, is just is the best sense of humor ever. And these ladies suddenly switched from looking at me cynically to, we are walking next to an elephant <laughs> in a housing estate in Sweden. <laughs> what is going on? So, um... I'm like, uh, right, and and the guy is walking it, I'm whipping its bum, you know, and we're, we're like, yeah, right, you know, I can expect a dog, but it's cold, what, what? <laughs> well, there was a reason, um, apparently, uh, in the nearby field, there was a tent with a horse show in it, with an elephant. LAUGHTER <laughs> um, and that transformed everything. But what the father had brought that story back to me. And I realized what the reason for that story was now to be sharing in this 10 days. And it's like uh, he was saying, we need to lay everything down. We need to lay everything down. And we need to go to the father and say, Lord, if we hand over to you and say, what, what, can you do something? He'll not only do it, he will like surprise you big time. <laughs> All right. Who's who's next? Who who has something to share? I know that was intimidating, right? Plus he has phrases that no one knows what they mean. It's amazing. Phil? <laughs> Janice, you want to share? Do you want to share from there up here? You come on up. Some I know you guys have stories. I want to hear. I mean, I've talked to you about them, so Actually, the only reason I stood up is because this will be the greatest contrast um, to an elephant. Because we started 10 days, um, we heard about it when Jonathan came to our church. And, and then we got to talk about it a little bit more at length in Uganda. 
And um, we decided we wanted to participate, but we just, I mean, we don't really have any position even in our church to do that. And so we just were like, okay, we'll do it at home and we'll invite our friends. And so we did, and our biggest number was four. And, um, but, and so it's, it's, a, it's a huge contrast from you know, the amazement to, to the little, but I just wanted to encourage people because in that time, we just did it at night, and when our friends came, I mean, literally, I don't remember which night it was, but there was one night the Holy Spirit fell and the joy of the Lord filled one of our friends. She'd never experienced that before. And this was just in our living room, just four people. And um, then we didn't do it the next year because that was the year we were traveling a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And then the year after that, the friend who, the joy of the Lord hit her, she does have a position in our church. And so she did it, again, unofficially because uh, she didn't want to have to go through the red tape of the church and all that sort of thing. And she invited our our bigger group of friends, and I think the biggest number then was six on a night. Mm-hmm. And um, the Holy Spirit didn't fall in the same way that year, but it literally jump-started several prayer movements within the church that have are still going today. So, I mean, it doesn't matter what size you are. Um, God just... He, he loves to respond to us, and he, he, he will be there in whatever way that looks like. So, anyway, that's all. All right. Who's next? Don't be shy. Come on. Grant. So, uh, we, need, we need Greg up here and Hallie. while Greg and Hallie are coming up. A couple of things. You know, there's a Hebrew word in Leviticus that describes the feasts. It's moed. And that means divine appointment. These are the Lord's divine appointments. The skies, spiritual skies. You know when we worship, faith is released, right? And it's like, it's like the, the heavens are opened Uh, And the Holy Spirit comes, right, when we worship and we feel his presence. Well, these are the the doorways, the the gates, whatever you want to call it, to heaven during these times are that much more receptive to to us. So, and without uh, without us, uh, the, the, the family of God even knowing it, the Father is bringing us back to his calendar to meet us with his plans and purposes. So it's very important to understand that. So um, um, I connected with uh, originally to 10 days through, through Greg, who was uh, several years was doing 10 days in the church where our Messiah's house ministry meets. And... Uh, Cut a long story short, we started to connect and talk, and I thought, wow, what's going on here? I mean, you know, I've got this ministry of, of wanting to reconnect you and Gentile and the one you man, and all these, like, Gentile believers are starting to pray around the feast of all. What is going on? Lord, i got to get all over this. So that's how we connected, and uh, then um, 
Uh, Greg introduced me to Jonathan and went out and shared um, the reconnection message with the leadership group that year in Denver, which was now what, like four years ago? Was that four years ago? Five? Four, four times ago. Three years ago. Okay. And um, um, so uh, uh, Greg invited me to start doing 10 days with him, and we started. I started joining him going around Connecticut, um, and we would go as like the one new man, the Jew and the Gentile. And um, I just, a couple of things I want to share and then hand it over to Greg and Hallie. But when we went, um, it, you know, Connecticut, Greg has done such a wonderful job in Connecticut uh, connecting the churches to 10 days. There are, you know, many, many churches that are already doing this. And uh, last year we, uh, we started to focus on individual cities and churches gathering in individual cities. Uh, to, to connect with the 10-day experience. But one of the things I wanted to really point out that I thought was so significant about that, that, that Moed connection was that in every church we went to, not so much the first year, but in the second year, whether it was a Methodist church, evangelical, spirit-filled, didn't matter, there was like a pattern in the spirit. And it was almost like there was an initial individual confession and repentance. People were confessing their own sins. Then there would be a switch to praying for the church. Then there would be a, a switch to praying for the community. And then at the end, there was significant prayer for the sins of the nation and gathering and the nation awakening. I mean, this is like... And this happened just, uh, you know, because Jonathan and Greg don't have these, like, you know, rigid outlines of how 10 days should be implemented. They really lead it, uh, they really leave it to, to how people are comfortable praying. But this characteristic is the characteristic of 10 days of awe. It's the heart of the father bringing his family and his children into Confession and repentance into personal mourning. We, I mean, every day of my life, I'm dealing with stuff. Come on, let's be honest, okay? Um, and this is just a divine time to get right, and not only to that, but to, to pray, to pray, to pray. So in the second year, I think it was the second year, we decided to offer our Messiah's house uh, we have a parachurch messianic expression. It's not congregationally focused. But we celebrate the feasts, and we want to bring Christians in to sharing in this experience. But we dedicated our Rosh Hashanah service to 10 days. And it has become, you know, because think about it. When you blow the shofar, Rosh Hashanah is very prophetic. You know, you're, you're sounding an alarm. You're sounding a sound into the heavenlies. And already for two years, Holy Spirit has led us specifically to sound a prophetic shofar into, I can tell you, when we hit the Jubilee, the new Jubilee, which is two years ago, there were three specific shofars blown. The first was the restoration of the one new man, which most of you know is the heart message that we carry and want to share. The second was the church coming into the fullness of the fivefold. And 
the third was the preparation of the bride, exactly what, what, what uh, Jonathan was teaching us this morning on as far as the 10-day focus. Um, and um, uh, it has just become this beautiful experience. Now, on the first Rosh Hashanah, there was a rainbow right over the house. And on the second Rosh Hashanah, we were driving up to Hartford, and you know the Jewish calendar, in, 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 in the Jewish cycle of days, the day starts at night. It starts at sundown, right? And so, and, and I had had a word that there was going to be another rainbow, but we hadn't seen it. And the Lord had told me in a prayer walk a few days earlier, and five, all of a sudden, we're driving up to Hartford, and there is this double rainbow. At the sun, right at the sun. That's right. That's right. My my Gentile brother had to remind me. <laughs> you want to say anything? Well, speaking of the, our Gentile brother, <laughs> you know the the one new man. I you know I'm listening as Grant is speaking, and that's so cool. You said Grant. I've been asking you for years. I, I was being funny. <laughs> Gotta go this way now. I'm not talking to you. So, um, as we were flying here uh, from New Jersey, I did. I was going through. I thought, oh, I'll make my time productive. So for a while, I was going through my pictures in my phone to delete all the ones you know that I take 25 of the same thing. And, but I came across the pictures of Grant and Greg. First of all, I was in the back seat every night. The two of them in the front, I was in the back. So there's just, there was just some brotherhood thing going on up there. As I'm in the back, I mean, I have pictures of the back of their heads. And, and, and so, you know, it's boring in the back sometimes when they're up there. But this real, so I'm looking through these pictures, and I'm getting, I, if you want to, if you want to see them, just come to me. I did not delete them. But at these 10 days, I have pictures of the two of them together, and like, they're literally, like, Grant will be in the front, to the Jew first, you know, Grant will be in the front, and Greg is right behind him in the same exact position, you know, and it's like, wow, they're really one new man. And then I got last year, I think I sent it to you. It was so cool. The way that the two of them were lined up together, literally it would look like one new man because it was, Gre I think it was Greg. Yeah, but the way that I caught the picture, it was like Greg's head on ground. Like they were one. They were literally one. Like just the way like Greg's arms came behind and it was, yeah, but it looked like literally one. So that was just a fun thing being these guys. All right. um, I'll share two related to these stories a bit about some of the tens of experiences we've had in Connecticut. Yeah, so I'm going to give three themes real quick, not to try to take too long. Uh, theme number one was the power of corporate prayer. So we met but didn't know each other, I think, 2014. You were a part of that Harvest Time service. There were like 10 pastor leaders who each had a segment of prayer to pray. Do you remember that? 
And one of the prayer assignments I got was pray against the Ebola virus. You remember that? So I was pressing in before the 10 days uh, that night, saying, Lord, what do you want me to say? What do you want us to pray? Like, how do you want us to pray? And I got convicted that we need to pray declarative prayer over this, taking authority over this virus as the corporate body of Christ, like Bob Jones said, because he had this experience with the Asian flu virus. I don't know if you guys have ever heard this story, but they were gathering leaders from around the country uh, down somewhere south, and the leaders were gathering all around, and they were praying a type of prayer, Lord, please, please, please help us against the Asian flu. We don't want it to come into our nation. Like, would you help us? Would you help us? And Bob got the understanding that God was upset at that kind of prayer. And he said, you're the body of Christ. You need to take up the authority I've given you, and you tell that this Asian flu is gone in Jesus' name. So he rebuked everybody. They prayed, and that was the end of the flu virus. It never came back. Well, I felt the same way when we were doing this together. So I told the story of Bob Jones. I told the story to the, to the crew who was there that night across these churches in Greenwich. Listen, let's pray this way, not that way, and let's see what God will do. We did that during the feast time, these times where we're closer to heaven and the Lord can move in even greater ways. We prayed all that, those prayers together, and sure enough, that was the last time the Ebola virus went anywhere. It never expanded into the United States. If you remember, and I think this is 2014, it stopped in Texas. Like, two people had it in Texas, and that was it. It, like, did not go any further, just as we had prayed during the 10 days of prayer in a corporate prayer setting. So it was like the body of Christ coming together in Connecticut um, across these different churches and with all of the leaders and the people together, God hurt, you know, he, we declared those things as though they were, even though they weren't yet, and it all came to pass. And that's like part of a 10 days, you know, expression of what can happen corporately. Um, the fireball one was like a sign and a wonder. So Grant gave you the double rainbow, which was like a sign to him personally, but also to us because the double rainbow represented Jew and Gentile promises together. Um, he had almost given up, and then we're going over the Sikorsky Bridge, which is the transition from the Merritt Parkway to the Wilbur Cross from Fairfield County into New Haven County. That's where that happened. Well, later that same 10 days, Grant was not with me one night, and I was in West Hartford at Calvary Church, and so the Hartford expression had come together some of the inner city churches, some of the black churches, some of the suburban churches, like all types of denominations were together. And one of the songs we were singing was Let the Fire Fall, if you're familiar with that song, Let the Fire Fall, Let the Fire Fall. So we're singing this, and we're praying, and we're singing, and we're praying. Well, on the way home that night, at like 10.30 at night, I'm coming back into uh, Fairfield County, and as I'm crossing that same bridge where we saw the double rainbow, the Sikorsky Bridge, which is the Housatonic River dividing these two counties, I see this huge, I've never seen a fireball so big. It was, a, it turned out it was a meteorite, and it just like all of a sudden, like right across in front of my windshield, right as I'm crossing over the bridge, this huge fire just falls down. And back at the 
church when we were praying that, I kind of had this sense like, yeah, the fire fall, or what do you mean by the fire falling? It was like the fires of revival, but also the fires of judgment. And so it was kind of this twin understanding. Well, that meteorite that night was like the fire falling, the fires of revival. And then I found out the next day, looking in the news, that a plane had crashed into a fireball in Hartford where a guy was as, a, as like a type of terrorist. He was from Jordan. He was becoming a pilot. He tried to crash land his plane into a UTC Pratt & Whitney like military facility. And it was diverted by the instructor and it did not, the terrorist act failed and the terrorist, the fellow died. And the instructor lived. And it was like the Lord was saying, that's the fire of judgment right there that you know, I'm judging that which is trying to attack Connecticut at the same time. So it was like we were seeing both things as a sign and a wonder in answer to this prayer of let the fire fall. Um, third thing real quick was we saw at the uh, ten, one of the things we were praying during 10 days of prayer is the prayers of repentance. And my friend Ruth, at the end of the 10 days, I said, hey, how did you think the 10 days went? And her response was, heaven's requirements were satisfied. And I was like, that's interesting. Heaven's requirements. So like 10 days is a requirement? Yes. 10 days of prayer, that time of repentance is a requirement. It was like God was saying, not only was he pleased with what we were doing, but he was requiring the church to step in the gap, intercede, and repent. And just as in the old covenant, when the people would come together and repent, God would give them a new, a good new year, right? So it was like protection over Connecticut was being granted through these repentance prayers. Heaven's requirements were satisfied. That led into a whole understanding of like the Second Chronicles 714 mandate, which is if my people will pray, humble themselves, seek my face, and turn from their wicked ways, which is repentance, those four requirements, then I will forgive their sin and heal their land. So it was like that, that then became living and breathing after this understanding of like heaven's requirements were satisfied. Um, and so one more final result was when we saw going through satisfying heaven's requirements, on the back end after 10 days, I started seeing some things being released into the communities that I was a part of and unbelievers reaped the benefit of the church having prayed this way. And I'll tell you specifically what happened. We saw there was a, uh, I'm a part of a kite surfing community. I'm a kite surfer and I, I'm in a community with all these other guys who surf with me. Most of them are unbelievers. Well, we were all, I was praying and we were all desiring like, we need to recapture our ocean's beaches to be allowed and permitted to be able to kite surf again because what had happened was, there was a politically correct move on Cape Cod where they said, because the birds are threatened by your kites, you cannot go on any of the ocean beaches for like 70 miles. And it was really not a good, it certainly was the opposite of the freedom uh, as Americans to use the national parks. And so we were all like uh, protesting and praying for this. Well, wouldn't you know it, right after 10 days of prayer, we had a victory in the court and then a victory with the 
administration of the Park Service, and they, gave, they granted us access back again. And that happened right after we were praying during the 10 days of prayer. So this is like the neighbors reaped the benefit, or the, the community reaped the benefit of doing business with God, you know, satisfying heaven's requirements. And another thing that happened was our street and our community, there was, they were trying to make a development on some pristine land near where we lived. And the same thing, the whole community was like saying, no, we shouldn't have this. And we got a victory in the um, town hall the same time. And I felt like the Lord was saying like, pray into this, pray into this and pray into that. And these things like came to pass and manifested after the 10 days of prayer. So it's like seeing the community and the country blessed because of the obedience of the church. Just listening, I'm thinking, what is the significance when I was talking about the pictures of the two of you together? And it's like the Lord said, and goes, tell them, you know, the significance of the one new man, the Jew and Gentile together, as it was in the first church, you know, in the first century, the power, the signs and wonders were when they were in one unity. So, yeah. That's good. Yeah, just to um, just to uh, harken back, just uh, I've just been thinking about um, the way for people who haven't done ten days before, the way that Tim and and Janice kind of described, you know, just kind of stepping out and being like, "What's going to happen?" or "This doesn't look like what I thought," but then God moves. That's like that's very typical, and I think that's just typical of living a life of faith in general, but. That's how it feels to me doing it. I mean, all this. <laughs> I don't think there's any. I don't think there's a way to grow out of that. Is what I'm saying. It's not like better when you've got it all figured out. That's actually worse. Um, but just to have that sense of like, yeah, you can totally do this because the Spirit of God lives in you. You can start stepping out and following Him, and He'll take you uh, on these crazy adventures as well. Um, I just want to share that. Okay, Papa Phil, you going to share something? I'm going to share a story. I'm going to share a story real quick while Phil's coming up. He's here now, but I'm going to share it anyway. <laughs> this is from um, Manchester, New Hampshire. I'm going to share two, two stories. Last year, they focused on um, the opioid crisis during their 10 days. And they had a multi-site 10 days moving throughout Manchester. And they saw two very tangible answers to prayer. Everyone, in a, at least in the States, is familiar with the opioid epidemic. It's, it's um, yeah, very severe, and Manchester is the worst city for it. So the first thing that happened was they saw the rate of opioid deaths and addictions begin to drop in the month afterwards for the first time. It dropped 20%. Wow, 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 wow. It had only been going up. The second thing was the state of New Hampshire reached out to the church for help in addressing the opioid epidemic. They, they reached out. So those were two very tangible answers to prayer, right? Two very tangible things. Um, another testimony from Manchester. They so this was several years ago. They couldn't get unity within the city, so they did ten days, and you know every night they're going to different places praying for unity, and they couldn't get the the ministries to work together. So 
one of the people, and everyone always said, this guy was not a leader. He was just like a guy, just a guy. He had this vision after 10 days. He's like, we should get the ministry leaders in the city together to talk about how we can serve the city together. And he's thinking, we're going to get 10 or 15 people together. So, but he sends out the invites, and 90 people show up. And they're all, like, lit to find how they can serve Manchester together as the body of Christ. And what they said was it was like this was not possible before, but then afterwards it was, like, obvious that they would do this. So anyway, just I think that's part of some of the ways that this can work in a community. Chris Vanetti's. Right, right. I want to just share um, kind of the beginning and what's happened. Um, Jonathan made reference last night to our beginnings of the 10 days in Denver, um, which was five years ago. Um, I had always, I've, I've been uh, in Denver, well, I was born there and um, uh, was raised in eastern Colorado. I've been back in Denver since 1988. Um, pastoring, and so I'm kind of um, papa to the city as well now, um, and uh, have been involved in all kinds of initiatives for prayer and new math through Promise Keepers and that kind of stuff, and uh, he was really the first uh, kind of Messianic Jewish believer that I really knew much, other than I think Bert early on. Um, Bert Yellen at Roe Israel, but I never paid much attention until um, I felt like the Lord was, you know, I always had this question in my mind, what would happen if the church, it's kind of like your what would happen question, what would happen if the church prayed like they did before Pentecost the first time? And you mentioned last night that that's one of the two places where the church actually, you know, the, 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 the repentance, the 10 days actually together, and the uh, repentance of Nineveh and th that kind of stuff. And I said, well, Lord, I asked this question several years. And finally, I, I asked the question of some of my other pastor friends who have uh, been involved in prayer movements and stuff. Um, and I got a yes, let's do this. And I was just finishing breakfast with one of those um, that, that morning, and I was driving down Iliff, Iliff Street, and I got a text from Matthew. Uh, and it says, uh, there's a couple of guys that are coming to Denver, and they want to meet you and other pastors. And I was like, okay, you know, it's not unusual for people to use me to get to other pastors in the Denver area. And I was like, okay, and it says, and by the way, this is the website, 10days.net. Drop the mic. Because um, I'd just come out of a conversation about starting a 10-day prayer movement in Denver. And here's the, and I, and I stop at a stop sign and punch in 10days.net, and I see his picture and Dysop Han's picture, and, and uh, 
and I think I called him immediately back and I said um, I need to talk to one of these guys ASAP because I'm currently in conversations with pastors about doing a 10 days in the spring in the next 36 hours that 10 days came into place just like tongs falling into place uh, we had uh, a church that wiped their schedule completely free um, for 10 nights and we had another church that gave us a prayer room like this for the whole day um, all of the 10 days so we'd have seven o'clock morning prayer we'd have noonday communion um, prayer afterwards and then an evening session that was led by different pastors from around the city and that's how we did the first 10 days we've done three since three years since then and I did the fall feast that year as a response to the 10 days that the care the Jonathan the, the vision that Jonathan carries and I had no real knowledge as an evangelical Anglican pastor of the fall feasts and all that stuff and over the four years the Lord has put me in a place to be part of the group that kind of pulls the string and all of the relationships have come together and the messianic pastors now in Denver are in more unity than they've ever been ever and um, this little Anglican pastor is one of the ones that they invite to speak and this year I've got the privilege of being invited to open in the Holocaust Remembrance Day at Bobby Yar Park for all of the Jews in the uh, Denver area. So fast forward over five years. Fifth year I think is the year of completion. Um, and I believe because of the work that we've done with the 10 days, the Lord has placed us in a building. Now, we left the Episcopal Church in 2001. Uh, we've been on the lam ever since. We've been in high schools. We've been in gymnasiums. We've been in Chamber of Commerce centers. We've been in a funeral home for nine years. God rescued us from the funeral home. He finally decided... Yes, we made it a joke of the resurrection church that meets at the funeral home, and he he's wasn't laughing. He said, you need to know that it is a conflict of interest. And they finally got it and kicked us out. So um, that happened um, November of 17. Just three weeks after we got kicked out, and, and took up residence in a place called Prepare the Way, a um, little church. Um, <laughs> the Lord handed us on a, on a platter four and a half acres of land and a, and a church building um, in the most expensive part of southeast Denver next to the Denver Tech Center. And the church has a west window that overlooks the city, completely overlooks the city all the way to Mount Evans. And the, the skyline on the right of the cross is the skyline of the Denver Tech Center, and on the left of the cross is the, all the way across to, to Mount Evans and the mountains. It's unbelievable. And I didn't know that we were buying that. 
I just thought, you know. I mean, it's like the Lord's taken me by the scruff of the neck and pulled and pulled me along. You know, kicking and screaming sometimes. Um, <clears throat> um, but I really believe that this is the result of the work that that I've done in unity in the city over a 30-year process and the five years of the 10 days spring and fall. And this year, the 10 days in the spring coming up in, in May 30th to June 9th is going to be a 240-hour straight furnace of prayer and worship and teaching at our church, our, our new place. Um, so pray into that 240 hours, um, actually 242. It's interesting that number is specifically special for us because to Acts 242 is, is the vision statement of our church. And uh, we kind of see those four things. They, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to breaking of bread, and to prayer as the target sites um, for our life. And uh, so God's bringing together right now, uh, we have currently, uh, counting us, five congregations that meet and use that building um, because we know that it's not our own. It's the kingdoms. So we have an Indonesian church that meets on Sunday or on Saturday, Seventh-day Adventist Indonesian church. We have a South Sudanese church that meets on Sunday afternoon. We have a Rwandan-led church, actually Rwandan, Ugandan, and Ghanese, three pastors that meet, and the, the church is called Blazing Holy Fire. <laughs> yeah, you get it. And so, and we have another church that's called Power Invasion Ministries that is plant, replanting themselves on Thursday nights. So the Lord's moving us towards a 24-7 expression. And, and prophetically, when, I, when we left the Episcopal Church, I told my people, I said, it's not about a building, but God will give us a 24-7 building when we become a 24-7 people. And I, I don't think I knew that that was prophetic at that point, but it's turned out that it is. So pray for us as we move into these 10 days. This is a, this is a big commitment. I've been, like Jonathan, I've been kind of pulling the vision in Denver from church to church for the last four years. We've done multi-site 10 nights, but their churches this year are coming. I'm pulling the string of those relationships and they're like that into this one place and um, it's beginning to fill up and I was like Lord so what do I do about the night hours yeah, he told me to do this 24-7 and people were confirming it and I was like um, really I mean I'm exhausted at the end of 10 days now <laughs> <laughs> and all I do is go to five, six evening services, you know, seven evening, evening services. And, and um, he, said, uh, he said, watch me. 
and I, I made the announcement on church that we're going to do 240 hours. <laughs> and all the blood drains out of everybody's face. And um, I had a meeting the following Tuesday with this pastor of blazing holy fire. <laughs> the, the church that's led by Africans is multicultural and meets from 7 p.m. to midnight every night to pray. And Friday night from 7 to 7. And then they come back to Sunday night at our place. The last two weeks they've been there. We consider that a sign and a wonder because they volunteered to take all of the night watches for the 10 days. Wow. They said, oh, can we, can we do that? And I was like, twist my arm. <laughs> Go ahead, twist it just a little bit. Um, so yeah, the Lord's, this isn't our idea. It's not Jonathan's idea. Yes. You know, this is God's idea. And God, as you heard David say, will take responsibility for it mm. and take the form, whatever form we want to bring to it, and go <laughs> and breathe life into the balloon. Mm. And that's what I'm so excited about. And Jonathan's coming to Denver for the 10 days, or for some of it. Yes. Some of it. Praise God. Thank you. Um, so this was, this was encouraging. And I felt like as a young person, I at least wanted to represent the young people in the room. Some of you who have served with 10 days, some of you who haven't. Just that uh, there's such an important uh, uh, place of ownership in the 10 days for the city fathers. And uh, this could be a controversial topic among different circles of the body of Christ, but let's not make it controversial. Let's go to those who know their fathers, who are recognized as fathers, and let's give them the place of honor, number one, but do not make this transactional. Make it relational. And uh, this was the way that Phil and I had this rapport for him to receive my text, for me to have his number. Phil's a busy man. And, uh, and this, is, this goes hand in hand with the 10 days vision is that this is a family affair. This is an opportunity. And so I, my experience uh, real quick is just uh, having the experience with a multi-site model with Denver with Phil in 2014 was incredible, but it was very difficult. It was very challenging breaking ground. The trust level um, of having leaders come to maybe four gatherings in the course of six months of facilitating leadership vision for this event was very difficult. It was low buy-in, is what I'm saying. And when you show up to a congregation whose leader at that level gives you their level of trust, what you get is, hey, how are you doing? Here's the platform. Go have at it. I'll be, I'll be heading out. And you guys just you know, lock the doors with our facilitator at the end of the night. And I've seen that. I've seen that approach. And I've seen that mature and get stronger as they've been faithful to the vision. More city leaders have to come to uh, additional meetings and have developed those deeper bonds of trust and actually bought in and took ownership of the event. But then in Pittsburgh, uh, I was able to share this vision with some of the city fathers again. 
And, uh, and they ran with it really strong. But in, it, in a low sense, they did it at a single site model at a house of prayer and are seeing great relationships developed out of that. Actually, one of the relationships uh, was one, one of our dear friend, Papa Jim, we call him, uh, who couldn't be here. He was at the leadership summit last year with us in Massachusetts with his wife, uh, Nancy, uh, dear man, uh, took one of the young men who uh, received this vision in his heart very strong and wanted to run with it, Sam, as his spiritual son, and for the last year has been helping Sam develop as a leader in the city of Pittsburgh. This is from the 10 days, brothers and sisters. What I'm saying is that this is a family affair. And the last thing I'll share is we're getting ready to eat. Our stomachs are growling. Um, it's just at IHOP, at, at the International House of Prayer, this past fall, we had a, a major gathering of, uh, of a thousand Chinese folks from uh, mainland China, Hong Kong, and other places came to Kansas City. Uh, but what's not being told is that leading up to this, we had a three-day solemn assembly. Mike Bickle and the leadership annually call a three-day solemn assembly in the month of September uh, to cry out for America, for our families, and for breakthrough uh, in Israel. Uh, for those three things. And as we were doing this solemn assembly, our leadership team of our the ministry department of the Israel Mandate, we have a, a ministry department at IHOP called the Israel Mandate. It's a group of people dedicated to being intercessors, watchmen for Israel. And, uh, and it's basically, it's the Lord is making this uh, beautiful picture of the, the Moedim that Grant just spoke about and the, the body of Christ having a place of facilitating for the, the Moedim. And IHOP said yes to this. Israel mandate, bring in the feast of the Lord. So they actually had a uh, set-apart room where we could come together and uh, in identification repentance for the 10 days, each day looking through church history and standing in identification repentance, making a, a public confession and a declaration, not only are we not for that, but what we are for is standing with God's purposes for Israel according to the scriptural prophetic promises. So this took place for 10 days. There was reconciliation that took place between Jewish and Gentile believers. Those who had German blood in their bloodline stood in proxy for the, for the complacency of the Germans. And those even in the silent church of the Holocaust who didn't stand with the Jewish people. It's very powerful, very meaningful. But what I'm saying to you is um, look for the Lord. Look for the, look for the elders of the city and develop deep bonds of relationship, young people especially, and watch the favor of God come in the place of honor. But then secondly, look for where your facilitating grace is. Maybe it is for a single site model. And don't exhaust the grace of God in that. Let the Lord add to that those relationships, that trust level, so that they can open up their arms, their doors, uh, their community to you and see the Lord move in great ways. So. Oh, okay, so you could pray for uh, Kansas City is a, a very controversial city, and, and my, my brother, Tom, uh, who is a part of a Messianic congregation in our city, who's not Jewish, I am Jewish, he and I are partnering together to be a 10 days team uh, in Kansas City, and are just beginning the stages now of developing those relationships with the elders of Kansas City, so please pray for us, uh, that the Lord would do something out of the bounds of of IHOP, but the Lord would do something citywide for Kansas City. What's that man's name? Tom Blake. <laughs>
So, um, Grant, do you want to say something? You're, 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 you're popping. No, the Lord has a sense of humor. Matthew, Jewish believer at IHOP. Tom Blake, Gentile believer at Kingdom Living, one of the most vibrant Messianic congregations in the United States. Just like, think about it for a moment. Two reverse roles, right? Yet the Jew and the Gentile are coming together to start 10 days in Kansas City. Awesome. Um, just like Matthew was saying, just to add to that, when, when 10 Days first started to move from being just something that I was doing in one city to being multi-site, I didn't know how to do that. And so I asked the Lord, I'm like, how do you do this? And he gave me this strategy of, I look for the bishops of the city. I call them, that's what the Lord called them to me. So that's like the city fathers, right? That's the, they're usually pastors. They're pastors to other pastors. And you need to have their buy-in. Um, to do 10 days. The more of those kind of leaders in a city you have, then, you know, the more of the church will engage. And then you also need these John 17 catalysts who are, have a John 17 calling. Like someone like Matthew is a great example of that. Um, you know, I remember, or, or uh, you, people who, when, when they come up to you, they're like, what, what do you do? You, you know, ask them what they do, and they're like, I don't know. Um, yeah weird. I, I, I'm really passionate about John 17, and I don't quite know how I fit. I'm like, oh, great. I, okay. Wonderful. You're, you're my kind of person. Uh, but those two kind of gifts can work really well together, and we've seen it when those two gifts are working together that that's, that's a great formula for 10 days. Let's have someone from the home team uh, here in San Antonio share a testimony, maybe. Yeah? And we'll, we're going to get out. Is Mindy here? All right. I just want to share a word real quickly that the Lord gave me uh, for this group. And this is what the Lord says. You are all fair, my love, and there is no spot in you. You have ravished my heart, my sister, my spouse. You have ravaged my heart with one look of your eyes, with one link of your necklace. To touch the heart of God is the most amazing thing. That's what happens on the 10 days. That's what the Lord sees right here in this group. What is more important than his desire? Loving him. Being able to give him devotion of 10 days. It's amazing. It's wonderful. So that's the, Lord, that's the word of the Lord to each one here and to those who participate in the 10 days. You've ravished my heart. Um, so I want to share just personally very quickly about San Antonio. Uh, I knew nothing that this was going to happen. We've done it three years now, the first year. I just heard about it. I heard it was going to be down at San Pedro Springs Park, which is downtown, sort of downtown. It's where the original San Antonio settlement was. And we had our rabbi, and we had the shofar, and we had a Native American praying, and we, uh, we blessed this fivefold in the city, uh, the groups. Uh, we had 175, and I'm not a counter, but I happen to know that because the person that brought the box of the communion, you know, those little things with the cracker and the communion all in one, they counted what was left over. 
we had 175 on the first night. And it was amazing, exactly what you're speaking of, the oneness of the body of Christ. I didn't know these people. And we all came with one heart to be one and to love him and stand together under this unity and the banner of his love. It was amazing. It was amazing. And as I was driving home that night, I, I will tell you the Lord spoke to me that he has a lampstand in this city. And I've been looking for the lampstand for like 40 years. I saw that revelation that there's one lampstand per city and no one church can be that lampstand. The lampstand are those who love him and who are one and who come together as one. Even if we only come together once a year for 10 days, brother, what has been unleashed through this is much more than what we can even see or know. And it is an unleashing of the, um, the fathers of the city because the fathers in our city are not the ones you would think, you know? It's amazing. Later on, I, I said to the Lord, I cannot believe this. Here we are. The, the leaders of our group were three at that time. And it's like a sounds like a joke. You know, a lawyer, a Swede and a hippie, you know, came walking into a restaurant or something. I, I mean, who could put this together? Who could? Who? These men, these three men who humbled themselves toward one another in our city to, to birth something. Who could plan each one of their lives so completely different? And see, they, something like this is a catalyst. And then as the years go by, people come for different reasons. They hear about it, they're interested, they come, they're looking for something, they wanna be prayed for, whatever, and people are met where they're at. But all through it, there is that thread of oneness. And what are we saying? What is the lampstand? The lampstand is not the light. He's the light. The lampstand shows forth the light. And when, when our Lord Jesus wrote us those wonderful seven letters, the last words to us, each one starts with a description of himself. He's walking among the lampstands. And he's looking for himself, something that responds to him. And that ravishes his heart. And something happens on those 10 days. Personally, I just love it because I can say to my family and my friends, oh, it's the 10 days. Don't count on me for anything. This is my devotion to the Lord. I get to be with him. And I don't have expectation of what's going to happen. And every year... Something happens here that goes deeper, connects us deeper. There's connections. I, I met people through this that are my dearest friends that I never knew before. But something eternal is happening, something you can't even talk about. I, there are no words for. And that's what I want to say. Something is happening through this, brother. And what I love is that it goes to each city and it manifests according to what is of the Lord in that city and in those people. And it's beautiful that you let it be whatever in each city. And I, I bless you, brother, and I thank you that you were not disobedient to the heavenly vision. 
and you have unleashed this for us. And in this city, I would say, it's also what our brother shared a minute ago, uh, more connections. I think of uh, the group of pastors that's now connected to the police department. If there's a major catastrophe in the city, they call the pastor group to get out the prayer. The level of faith in this city, for this city, for the elections, for the city government, you cannot imagine. These things in the last three years have expanded and gotten much deeper. So there's, there's so many testimonies. that. But the one, most wonderful thing of all is that we are fulfilling our Lord's mandate to be one. We're not perfect, you know, but we're one. We love one another, and we love the Lord. And so I'm just so thankful for those who had the faith to step out and do it the first time and, uh, uh, and they unleash something in many, many churches that is the Lord. Because he's what we're here for. He's the one we love. We just thank you, brother. Only because the caterer is not here, I have to share a story, Lori, because I know you wouldn't share it. Uh, so we've done it three years. The second year, we had a single-site model. It was the tent in San Pedro Springs Park. And so when we were planning this, when we put together the budget, we just realized, whoa, that's a lot of money. And we have no budget for this. <laughs> and uh, so the meetings begin to go like, yeah, that's a lot of money. And then we talk about, like, you know, almost hypothetically planning this tent. Like, we know in the back of our mind it's probably not going to happen. So when the months get closer, it's kind of, well, maybe we should plan, you know, plan a plan B. So if the tent thing doesn't happen... And so th this is the dynamic of the discussions. Lori was a part of this. And I remember I was in front of Sam Ash Music, and she called me, and she just rebuked me in the most heavenly, heavenly, loving, righteous way. But she was serious. She's like, there's no faith in this leadership, and just going off. Like, I could pay for the tent right now, but I don't want to. I want to see faith in these people. And she's just like, I'm praying for faith to be unleashed, and I'm tired of the poverty spirit on the leaders, even the, even the faith preachers in this city. My gosh. And I'm just like, yes, ma'am. <laughs> I, I, I agree. I agree. Yeah, let's do it. And she's like, we're going to get a tent. That is a tent of testimony, and it's going to be in this city. I'm like, okay. Yes, ma'am. And, and so we begin to shift the way that we were speaking. And within the week, free tents were coming to us. Money's coming to us to pay for the cops and the security. And just everything fell into place once we shifted our hearts towards faith. And like, the Lord can do it. So I think that just goes back to what Tim was sharing of just... Step out and do it and get out of the plan B's. I think the Lord loves it. The hippie. That was my long hair days. <laughs> can, we, can we hear from the Swede? <laughs> Rune, um, I feel such a connection to him. I've, I've seen him several times when I've been here. And uh, I realized, I'm like, I think I think I know him better than I know him because I don't. I've just, it's just a heart thing. So anyway, yeah, thank you. 
I remember, by the way, I speak very good Swinglish, so. <laughs> Mix some Swedish and English and you have a new language. I remember when Jonathan was coming to us, God was sending him. It's one thing that God sends a person to you. It's another thing, is this something for me? It's two different things. I listened, and then I heard, and I told him, and also the other guys that was there. I said, with my background, with my understanding, it's a yes, we do it. And we did it. And God has been with us, and he has blessed it. And I'm so surprised to meet somebody that had been in the same city and the, the church that I was leading. He, he was an elder in that church. I don't understand what God is doing, but he's doing something. <laughs> <laughs> so praise God. Amen. Um, yeah, we're waiting for the caterer to arrive. So... I mean, we're going to feed you guys, I promise. I know you're hungry. I want to just, I, I think it's cool the way that um, hunger, God will, God will um, deprive us in an area, and, and that hunger will actually be what facilitates the next breakthrough. Like, you'll get really frustrated about something not working. The thing you're frustrated about, that frustration is actually that feeling you're feeling is actually the desire that's creating the next answer. Does that, does that make sense? It's, it's, it's just, it's part of God's economy, how he works. And so um, in Bridgeport in 2016, Lewis, by the way, he's having a baby like today, Lewis Burgos, who leads uh, 10 Days in Bridgeport. That's why he's not here. So I felt like that was a good excuse. I let him off the hook this time. But you know, he's, a, he's an intense guy, as you guys know, from who, who've met him before. Um, he leads the 10 days in Bridgeport. So the first year they had a tent, and Lewis calls me, and he's like, he's like, one minute he's like super excited about what God's doing. The next minute he's like, I'm mad at God. I'm like, why are you mad at God? He's, and I'm like feeling like he's kind of like, and I'm mad at you. And I'm like, why are you mad at me? Like, what did I do to you? <laughs> he's like, we're not seeing any healings. I'm like, well, you saw a lot of salvations and people got baptized and like you've seen all these cool prophetic things. And like, he's like, I'm just mad that we're not seeing healings. This was in 2016. And so, but they saw a ton of stuff happen. Like the whole city is like baptizing people together. I mean, that's awesome, right? And I'm like, I'm like, all right. So, but I was kind of like, you know what? Maybe this is God, you know, maybe this is the hunger that's going to lead to a fulfillment. And so sure enough, this was just under his skin. And so in the new year, they get connected with Randy Clark, and they start doing healing classes, and they start seeing an outbreak of healings, like real significant healings in their church. This is just a few months after 10 days. And that's something that can happen during 10 days. Like, you know, you can get frustrated with your lack in an area, and that can lead to God starting to release it to you. And then the next year they did 10 days, they saw a ton of healings. So the first year, there were no, like exactly zero healings. The next year, there were dozens and dozens and dozens of healings. Is that, is that kind of cool, how that, how that works, that dynamic works? So I think that that's something that we can pay attention to as well. Like, where is God 
frustrating us? And how does that lead to um, the next thing that he wants to do? So, Tim, yeah. Yeah, no. Okay. Give me a wink when it's ready, yeah? <laughs> um, it's just that I, I felt that um, as you were talking that actually there's something that really practical that could be shared. And um, uh, before all of this, I got involved in all of this. I'd had a, I was in Denmark, and I'd had a dream. And the father had shown me, because uh, I, I was a theater maker, my dream was to make films because storytelling is a powerful way to get people asking the right questions. You know all about this. Uh, because I was, um, uh, at heart, I just want to share Jesus. But people aren't asking the right questions, and I'd spent 40 years of frustration. <laughs> but uh, theater was the way to do that. And the Lord knew that I wanted to make films, and uh, he gave me a dream. And he said, Tim, and I'll just tell you how the dream is. He puts it into my language, so I get it. He showed me, um, he showed me, me uh, behind a camera directing a story. He said, you can do this, and I will bless it. Or you could do this. And he showed me this other thing. And he showed me myself, and I had chattering teeth. And uh, there was chaos in this area. And he said, you could do this, but this is dangerous. Right? And then he said, with this one over here, you are telling the story about a hero, a protagonist. You're telling the story about a hero, and it will bless people. In this one over here, I'll make you the hero in your own story. And, um, and I said, Lord, you said it's dangerous. Would my family be safe? Uh, I haven't told my wife this, so keep it quiet. <laughs> and he didn't answer me. He didn't answer me. But being myself, he knew what I was like. I said, I've got to do the other one. I've got to do it. That's much more exciting. And uh, I went for it. And since then, I realized things like this, us meeting, that, you know, I spent 10 years in your legacy of your church, and then I meet you today. I, I've come to expect that as normal. And, and so, it just, but I love it. You never get tired of it. I realize I'm not writing this book that I'm in. The Father's writing it, and I'm just walking in it. And the more I get aligned in with what the Father's asking me to do, the more miraculous it becomes. And so um, the more incompetent I am, the better. Every time I give up, the better. That's what I'm discovering. So that is just like a method for running 10 days, is the, the more rubbish I am, the better it's going to be. <laughs> because I ain't doing it in my own strength. I'm expecting to walk out in the miraculous. And the thing I wanted to share with you is, you know, there's stuff, Jonathan, you just don't realize about. You know, Father's in charge of getting 10 days of prayer around the globe. So we're in our second lot of 10 days of prayer now. And w now we've moved from the park next door into the ruins that have been renovated. So the first year we were renovating the temple, which is us. Well, they were literally renovating an old abbey. We moved into that. The council allowed us. They're saying, have it every year, please. We've moved in there, and the Lord said, I want you to simplify. So the first year, we did it for cheap. We got a big top 10. It cost us $10,000. That was cheap uh, with all the kit for 10 days. This year, he said, get, get rid of, as we walked with it, get rid of everything. Go acoustic. Just simplify. 
We were less people because not everyone's ready to get out in English weather in September in a ruins with no roof. And it cost us um, 300 pounds. That's like $400. Nothing. Because he became the star, the father. And it made us more reliant on him. And we realized the bricks of building here are us. And a spin-off is a profit. background noise. Is that my cue? Uh, the prophet that we'd been working with us, 10 days had spread to Singapore. And the way it spread is that um, a guys, there's a revival already. Revival's already here. Um, revival in Singapore in a Formula One team. What do you call Formula One? Do you? Oh, so Jonathan's never heard of it. <laughs> I IndyCars, yeah. IndyCars, yeah. So it, there's a Formula One team that's having a revival. They caught on to the 10 days vision, and they're, they're, they're not church background people. They do sport. They love Formula One. And when they got, they're getting converted in that, that Formula One team, and they're doing Christianity like they do Formula One. It's awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> R- yeah. <laughs> and they're like a team, 150, they are full on. And they're praying. They said, we're committing to this. We're doing it at the same time. So they're in Singapore, so multi-site. So we're in Reading Abbey Ruins. We're on WhatsApp. Well, they're in Singapore and in Woking as a Formula One team. And we're allowing the Lord to set the prayers for the day. When I say the narrative, I mean he's telling us how to pray and what to pray for. And those are victory prayers, aren't they? They're the ones that, like, if I'm telling you to do it, all you've got to do is say it's going to happen. And they were epic. And what I didn't know was that that old abbey ruins was a seat of governance at one point. So this is suddenly, this is a, a spiritual place of spiritual governance for the nation. And I'm like, you've left a comedian in charge of this? <laughs> um, but here we are. And then this uh, revelation, yeah, it's hilar- it really is hilarious. Uh, revelation 18 a guy comes with it, he goes, I feel the Lord's bringing Revelation 18, get out of Babylon. Uh, that's the theme for the day. And there's a guy in the Formula One team who'd recently had a one-on-one encounter with Yeshua and converted. So he was anti-Christian, he had an encounter with Yeshua and became an instant prophet. But with no biblical understanding. It's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> so he basically will tell you Bible stories and he's like, I don't know what this is. But it could be for you. So uh, <laughs> it's hilarious. And I love it. It's so not religious. It's awesome. So we're there and we're feeling Revelation 18. Father's telling us, is he's talking to us about getting out of Babylon, the Babylonian system. That, that He's telling us to get it out of ourselves and get out of it. Is, it. is that the theme for today? We need confirmation, Lord. A text comes through from him in Singapore. He wrote, He's a mechanic. He's a mechanic. I try not to give away his identity. He's awesome. But just woke up from a dream. I think it might be a God one. Was standing in front of something that looked like a giant Jenga game. Do you have that here? The type you get in a pub garden. So in pubs in England, you have pub games. uh, You know, uh, pubs are good in Christian circles in England. And um, it's a massive Jenga game. The type you get in a pub garden. The blocks were not wood, though. They were stacks of money, all kinds of currency. I reached out to pull a block from the bottom of the tower, and the whole lot fell over. 
it fell into a pit full of fire and was quickly burned up to nothing. Then I was surrounded by loads of angry, upset people. They were screaming and shouting me because I ruined the game. Don't know what it means, but no, it's a God dream because I dreamed it twice in a row. Guess you will know what it means. <laughs> it's like, hello, you just paraphrased Revelation 18. And so we were then uh, in this sea of governance in the nation, breaking, and someone else came up with it, it wasn't me, they said, I'm feeling the Lord saying we need to break the spell of Babylon. And so we're like the same amount of people that we are in this room, in an old ruins, in the dark, and we're, we're breaking the spell of Babylon over the nation so that we can get on with kingdom economics. This is Greg's territory. It was just so awesome. Um, I, the responsibility Father was given us at that moment, he will do with one person, two people, 20 people. So encouraged. But we were relying on the miraculous to set the themes. That's cool. Yeah, hopefully this has just given people a, a sense of how God does it differently. I'm always blown away when, um, and I also know it's like, you know, you know you're on, on the right track when people are, you're hearing the same kind of stories that you've seen and you're like, wow, God really is the same. Um, so that's encouraging, but with a different twist because he, he works differently through all of us. Um, we're going to break for lunch and we're going to gather back at 2.30. So rather than 2, we're going to give a full two hours. Sorry we went over here, but we just figured, why not? 